0: Hey, everybody, it's Adam Chartoff, your host of FilmWax Radio. It's Friday, August 14th, 2020. This is episode number 629 of the podcast. This uh, episode has two segments, actually. One is coming up. It's with Ramona Diaz. This is Ramona's third time on the podcast. She has made a number of very memorable documentaries over the years, including a terrific one about the former first lady of the Philippines Imelda Marcos if you've never seen Imelda I really recommend you uh, find that movie check it out Imelda that was 2011 Uh, we had her on after she released a documentary about a Filipino singer Arnel Pineda who ended up becoming the lead singer in the band Journey that's a, a really fun documentary And we had her on for that uh, documentary originally. That was uh, in around 2013, I think. Uh, Ramona came back on with a Motherland documentary about a maternity hospital in the Philippines. That was in 2017. And now for the third time, we have Ramona back on with a brand new documentary called A Thousand Cuts, which um, is a look at how Filipino President Rodrigo Duterte uses social media to spread disinformation. Does that sound familiar well, we'll be talking to Ramona. F- film is currently out. You can see it virtually. I'm glad to bring Ramona on. That's going to be followed by a pair of filmmakers who uh, have a new narrative feature out called Freeland. Mario Ferloni and Kate McLean, who are the directors of Freeland. Freeland is a film that's coming out soon. It's in the festival circuit, if you want to call it a circuit. Uh, most festivals, of course, are, are online with uh, some doing drive screenings and that type of thing. It's a terrific uh, film. We're going to talk about the main topic behind it. It stars Kreisha Fairchild, who is a friend of mine, a friend of the podcast. She's been on the show before. We're going to have Kreisha in an upcoming episode. Before, we'll start with Mario and Kate, the directors of the film. We'll get more into what the subject matter of, the, of, the, of Freeland is about shortly. But first, let's go into my conversation with Ramona Diaz and her new documentary, A Thousand Cuts.
1: Mr. President, is it important that people be afraid of you? Fear. Hello and welcome. I'm Maria Ressa. Maria Ressa carries the torch of press freedom in a country held in thrall by a populist president. It started with the drug war.
2: Do not do drugs because I will kill you.
1: President Duterte began his administration with the drug list. This is the drug industry of the Philippines. He showed everyone a list. People on that list started
2: dying. I'm telling the Filipino people it's gonna be bloody.
1: We demanded the government be held accountable. Duterte was annoyed by our reporting.
2: You are a fake news outlet. You will be allowed to criticize us, but you go to jail for your crime.
1: Started getting attacked on social media. The government created disinformation networks so people have no idea what the truth is. I was getting an average of 90 hate messages per hour. We don't even know whether we can trust the police to protect us. Just
3: because you're a journalist, I you're exempted from assassination.
1: We didn't even realize how dangerous it is for you. Why are you crying? Ah, I'm scared for you.
4: Maria Ressa has been arrested. The charges against Russell were aimed at intimidating those who challenged Duterte's rule. Well, hello.
3: How you doing? Not too bad. Right? I didn't
0: know I'd be podcasting from the home office for the rest of my life, but.
3: Yeah, it's really quite something. It's like this roller coaster, right? Oh, <laughs> Depending definitely. on what day it is. Yeah.
0: Totally, but it's nice to see you. Yeah, yeah I mean, I guess you just got under the wire uh, with the documentary.
3: Ah, oh, yeah.
0: I mean, I noticed, like, towards the end, Maria was wearing a mask.
3: Yes. Well, that, you know, um, so we premiered at Sundance, right? And um, we had to, that verdict came down June 15th. So we added the coda recently, right? Right, makes sense. It did, yeah, it does. I, I mean, we, ha- we had to, yeah. So it's so telling of the time. Suddenly there's a mask, right? And everyone's yeah. like, ah, okay. Yeah. well, <laughs>
0: with with that, that administration in the Philippines, you know, masks would be almost, on would be almost expected, you know, in terms <laughs> of people trying to keep uh, their identity hidden. But you know, not not one of the good guys like Maria. Maria is uh, the the core subject of of a thousand cuts. She is a uh, Filipino journalist, and um, she is following the story of President Duterte, which is a really dangerous thing to do, and his uh, war on on uh, poverty. I mean, sorry. <laughs> Drugs. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> Adam, if what you are just, you
3: saying?
0: <laughs> if, if you just, you know, if you, because it's very, it's very you know, we're, obviously there's many parallels in this film to someone we all know and loath. Lo- lo- yes. And it's like, you know, if you don't, if there aren't any poor people, then you don't have a poverty problem, right? I mean.
3: Exactly. Just get rid of them. They're all drug addicts anyway. So, you know.
0: Right. (laughs) So you get the, sort of, you get the, uh, um, I guess, the support of, of of everybody else because you're cleaning up the streets. I mean, that was, so this is the nightmare that is the subject of your film.
3: Yeah, I think law and order, right? It resonates. Um, and if you, go, yeah, that's what he he campaigned on. He campaigned on a drug war, but he actually did it, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, hours later, there were dead bodies in the streets. But right. you know, he, I, he the, the man campaigned on it, right? He said he would do it, and he did Hopefully
0: it. You'd be surprised. Yeah. And he yeah. must be loving the footage coming out of uh, Portland. I mean, um,
3: it is scary, be- right? Uh, like, I mean, sometimes you know, I go back between the Philippines and the U.S., right? And I always know where I am, <laughs> right? I always know clearly. I'm in the Philippines. Clearly, I'm in the U.S. But you know, when you start, um, when you start watching on television, like CNN reporters getting arrested on live television, then you it's so alarming. When you see Portland, you're like, okay, where am I again? Wait, I thought I was in the states. Where they become really, really starting to look alike, and never I never would have thought right it would happen that the day would happen, but it is that the, the yeah well it, how did
0: it i mean well, you know here there's just sort of a a complacency, and I guess the lesson we must learn is never to be complacent, never to take constitutional rights for granted, but um, the Philippines is you know. And I want your take on it because you, your heritage is tied up in the Philippines, obviously. How does, how, I was thinking about this when I was watching the film. So my first thought is the history of the country is pretty corrupt, uh, governmentally speaking, from the government standpoint. And then also, how does it make you, how does it make you feel, that you know, from a Filip, Filip, your, in terms of your Filipino identity?
3: You know, it's been 35 years since the Marcos dictatorship, right? They were ousted in 1986. And I think slowly the the country was becoming more politically mature, I think. You know, slowly, slowly. Because it, I mean, when the Marcos left in the mid-80s, they had to rebuild the institutions again. It takes a long time, right? Yes, And it was just, I think, coming back. It takes a generation to rebuild these institutions. So to see Duterte come again it it was it's heartbreaking it's you know we um we released the film in the philippines for 24 hours for free right before the weekend before her verdict just to raise awareness because her verdict was um being handed out on a monday
0: explain the uh okay we're, so we're she was of, gonna... kind of giving the the ending a little bit but it's not about withholding, yeah. withholding so uh, the, yeah no, so.
3: um uh, she, so she was found, so she has, um, uh, she has eight cases against her, right, by, some by the government, some by private individuals, most, right. uh, mostly by the government. So she was found guilty on one of them, cyber libel, right, and was sentenced to six years in prison, six months to six years in prison. She's out on bail. Uh, So before, um, and that's was the first verdict handed down of the eight cases that she has, right? So in order to raise awareness, I thought, um, you know, let's release a film for free for 24 hours. And we did it so quickly. And Frontline was great because they were on board. And then Concordia was on board. I mean, all the stakeholders were like, yeah, it's the right thing to do, let's do it. And we did it so quickly, we had no time. Like, I, I thought about it on Monday, Everyone talked about it on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we were planning it. And then we released it Friday, right? No one at the time. So I just sent out, you know, via, you know, to my, you know, different Viber groups and on, on Twitter, on, on Facebook. I said, hey, we're releasing this 24 hours. And Frontline I said, great. You know, the typical um, um, traffic we'll get, they'll probably get, well, 40,000 views, if that. that's the max, right? I'm going to
0: guess, guess it was more than 40,000, Ramon.
3: Yes, just so take,
0: take a stab here uh
3: two hundred thirty three thousand in twenty four hours and we could have stayed longer and it would have reached i mean it was really it really like uh, it caught fire right but in the in those twenty four hours so it was on Friday night and then we we um we finished Saturday night and then we followed it with a talk back with me and Maria and Rainey aronson and Julie Passetti of um Rainey Aronson of frontline and um but I was getting feedback, right? People watching. There were anonymous people just messaging me saying, but I expected anger, Adam, but it was more sadness, right? Like, oh my God, how did we take our eyes off the ball? We worked so hard. What happened? Why are we here again? And, you know, usually I make films to really decode the Philippines for the West. Really, that's, I, that's how I see it. I never think that it's a surprise for the Philippines. This is not an expose. They saw it like happening right in front of their eyes. But I think to see it in this form, the the sadness was just too much. I mean, and of course compounded by the fact that everyone's in lockdown, right? Because of COVID. I think this is their 19th week and very strict lockdown. So it was of course compounded by that. But still, I never expected the deep, deep, deep sadness and like regrets right that they're back where they started it's like it took forever it's a lot of work it's a lot of work to to be yeah. free and and right. build okay. democratic institutions you know
0: yeah i guess you're right it's it's easier lazy is easier and um yeah you know yeah. it's more it's interesting um remind me in the time frame Aquino, which which years was she there and why was she, was she not as popular a success story, like you know, we loved her in the here, right?
3: Yeah, she was. I mean, yeah. after the Marcos family, I mean, after the Marcos family, you could love anyone, right? <laughs> Think about it. If she was like, she's Trump, like Trump, Biden, right? plus. Yes. Yeah. No, she was. She was very charismatic, but she was a transitional figure. I mean, she was the spouse of the opposition leader who got shot when he was coming down, right? When he arrived in the Philippines and he was shot, you know, he was murdered as he was deplaning. And then she, she then stepped into his shoes and she right, became oh, right. bigger than life character and was swept into the presidency, but she was not a politician. She always right. said she wasn't. So for all her faults, I think she tried her best, but she was still very much a member of the elite, right? She's comes from an elite family, um, but she, I think she, she tried her best, but she wasn't. But but she was only meant to really be a bridge to to transition okay. out of um, dictatorship.
0: Now, it's very, very, to me, knowing what's been going on since last year and another documentary that was released about Imelda Marcos. It, it, it seems very, very resounding. There's a resounding message. Sorry, it's so loud outside here. I don't know if you can hear it. <laughs> the, there's a... Um, that the name Marcos is not even mentioned once in your film. Yeah,
3: because it wasn't about that, you know. I know, um,
0: but it seems like, how do you tell the story? Because in the meantime, in the background, right, the Marcos's kind of helped deliver Duterte, didn't he, didn't they?
3: That, that's not,
0: <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm giving false facts here, sorry.
3: Uh, no, I think Duterte really um, came uh, came into the scene as an outsider talking very candidly right he was very honest about God killing people right and it was kind of refreshing which is crazy but it, he really sparked the imagination so Duterte's triumph, I think was a lot I, I think because th- there was a lot of failure of the promises of the revolution of the people power revolution mm-hmm. and I, I think because of that um he, he rose and he's, he had been mayor for a long time in Davao. I think he sparked some imagination. He came along at the right time when crime was spiking. He came along and was talking about law and order and all that, so um, yeah, I, 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 I mean, he won. Listen, there were, I think, five candidates so um, it's hard to say he won by a landslide because he can't. There are five candidates, right? But he won by a lot—a a margin of a lot—and he he, he he remains popular to this day. I mean, there's not—I don't think there's a survey, um, a, a recent survey, but you know, the last survey he he was still like sixty mm-hmm. percent approval rating. But you know, approval ratings are uh, have gone up. So no, I, I, no, the Marcoses are not responsible for Duterte. Okay,
0: Thank that you. is not. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> I'm so honored to have you because I really think you are one of the smartest filmmakers out there. Uh, one of the best. You. You're a great documentary filmmaker. Thank you. Your films are so direct and so clear. The message is so clear. You cut through so much. You know, um, I really respect you. as a, oh. I didn't expect to be laying all this on you, but... I'm gonna say it. So oh, I, that's I have so no nice. Ego. So um, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I appreciate you. You can correct me as much as you want to because, okay. um, but I do appreciate also that the Marcos name was not brought up because why give them any attention? That's I think you know. I, I I always felt like in the last three four years, wouldn't it be ideal if the media just stopped, just ignored? That's the not only the gives us a clearer sense of vision about our country but it drives that moron up the wall you just ignore him because all he wants is is attention negative or positive doesn't matter
3: yeah because you know
0: i kind of feel like like that about the marcos
3: family no but because you know the story that they're back in power they've been back in power since 2000 right they have the um Mrs. Marcos has run for the president again ba- way back when she came back from exile. Mm-hmm. Her, 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 kids have been governor and Senator. Now her daughter is a Senator, but her son has been Senator. Her daughter, do- her daughter has been a Senator, uh, has been governor of Ilocos. So they've been back in power for a long time. The real price is the presidency. That's the price that they want. Um, right now it's not looking like, Oh my God, uh, You know, because you never know, but I don't think um, that's uh, possibility this election cycle which is 2022 you oh. know that is a surprise. but they've right. been in power that's not news you know they've been in power for a while
0: yeah am i mistaken or was there a shot at one point of, of duterte with and i think one of the, the marco's son was with him
3: uh one and, and of it, the it? no there's a shot actually of um the daughter who's now oh. a senate. she was running for senate and she's dancing there's just one shot of oh it. okay all right yeah yeah just dancing uh, on stage, like everyone does. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: I, somebody should tell uh, Elizabeth Warren not to dance.
3: Though.
0: Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm a big fan, but don't, don't dance.
3: Okay, duly noted. I'm gonna write that.
0: Kind of, I don't know what he thought.
3: am funny though. <laughs>
0: it is funny. You mentioned, I know, in one of my the reading material, the publicity material, that um, access, of course, uh, is everything in this film, and you have it was at once the uh, the biggest success and also the biggest challenge, right? Getting the, yeah. and tell the story yeah. also about your past interaction with, with Maria. Rez, again, she is the uh, founder and the CEO of Rappler, which is like a independent news platform in the Philippines. I run out of, I guess, Manila, I'm guessing. And then she, but she was also for many, many years a very well-regarded CNN correspondent from Manila, their, their Philippine correspondent.
3: Yeah, um, so I'll tell you a story about Maria and me. So um, in 2004, right, I came out with Imelda, my very first film about Imelda Marcos, right? Um, and I, she sued us in the Philippines, Mrs. Marcos did, because the invasion of privacy, selling her good name. So I had to fly to Manila to actually show up in court to defend the film. She was suing me and my distributor in the Philippines. And I was so stressed. I was in the middle of the crazy festival circuit. I was so stressed. So when I land in the Philippines, the, the distributors, the publicist, um, gave me a list of people that, who wanted to interview me. And Maria Rest's name was on it. And she was then the face of CNN. You know, she was... CNN Asia. That's Maria Ressa. I'm like, oh my God, Maria okay, Ressa wants to interview me. I'm so thrilled. Yes. And someone said, well, she doesn't like the film, you know. I'm like, she doesn't? No, she has issues with her okay. that she'd like to talk to you about. It. I said, you know, I don't really want to litigate my film. I want to talk about the case against the film, but not the film. I'm just so tired. Can you tell her no? And she goes, no one turns on Maria Ressa on CNN. I'm like, but I am because I'm really tired. I don't want to talk. Th- so basically I did that, you know, I, I turned her down. And so I'm thinking like, so fast forward 14 years later, I'm in her office, right? Asking her to be in my field and I, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I hope she doesn't remember. And of course she remembers, right? She goes, uh, why did you turn me down all those years ago? I said, well, and then of course inside my head, should I pretend, should I not That's stupid to pretend? I was like, Maria, I was hoping you wouldn't remember. He goes, oh no, no, no. I remember the people who turned me down. <laughs> And so I said, "No, I just didn't feel like talking about litigating the film. I was there to talk about the court case and stuff." She goes, uh, that, she goes, not to worry. You're here now. We'll have a lot of time to talk about that film." So to her credit, she still said yes. But that mm-hmm. I almost the the fact that she remembered. I'm like, okay, note to self: <laughs> she never forgets. But um, yeah, so you know, when I finally met her, I realized that she. You know, when I make these films, I don't really know what I'm doing until I know what I'm doing, right? Usually it's big themes and stuff, until then you realize th- there is um gravitational pull, right, towards the center of your film. And you and I think also out of because of experience, right? You find uh the cream the center of your film. And that was Maria. Obviously, because she was also talking about disinformation. And no one was talking about disinformation then. Disinformation, Facebook, impunity, and the intersectionality, you know, amongst those topics.
0: Components. She was the
3: only one doing that. You know.
0: And, but wait, did you recognize it? Like that there's such a deeply, bet, like there's such a close uh, parallel to, to this country. Not only, I mean, of all what you just said, as well as the personalities of these two proto-fascists, um, Meaning Trump and Duterte, of course, yeah. you and Maria. Uh, but you know, you're.
3: I'm glad you clarified that.
4: I try. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: no, uh, you listen. My first, um, you know, my first impulse was to do, make a film about the drug war. That's what I was interested in. And of course, then I realized so many people are attracted to this drug war. So many people are making that film, and so many people have actually made it already. It's since come out. So. Um, when I turned to Maria because she was the loudest voice, right? She was really calling out to Terte, um, I realized that she, because of the disinformation, it would be a more global story, right? Uh, because the drug, the drug war is very othering, right? in a way, because it's so violent, it, it makes you really shut your eyes. But if you put in this information, it really brings it home. I, did I realize it was really super parallel to, maybe I did because of Duterte and Trump. I, I realized that it would be even more so with um, with Maria's stance on disinformation, because that's not only here, right? That's so global, it's such a big problem that, um, um, but I never mentioned it once in the film. Uh, it's so interesting when we premiered at Sundance, so many people came up to me and, just talked about the parallels between the two countries when I never mentioned it so I said okay so it's it's kind of it's hitting right without ever there's only one picture of Trump and Duterte in it and but I never mentioned Trump
0: no you don't and that's appreciated <laughs> but you won't watch it you won't see it because of that really?
3: yeah. oh, I want to I want a screening at the White House
0: <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that uh, did you, did big question uh don't mean to put you on the spot, but did George Clooney sign a release Did he have to sign a release
3: uh we uh yes, we got his approval uh it's in the email
0: <laughs> he's a supporting actor in the film
3: yes, i know right <laughs> that
0: feel pretty good right he's
3: no no they they've been really uh supportive i mean amal came on That's... while we were filming amal came on and became her lawyer so
0: that's a big cause of his, though, uh, freedom of, of the press.
3: Yes, they have a trial, uh, trial watch. So what, the, what trial watch does is they watch trials all around the world and uh, keep an eye on them so they, they're fair, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think Marie had a choice of just being watched or signing on Amal as a lawyer. So she signed on Amal as a lawyer. So, you know, Amal is one of her international lawyers.
0: Well, again, the film is called uh, Thousand Cuts, which, of course, uh, I think is s- speaks plainly for itself. Why your film is called Thousand Cuts? It's like every day. It seems like every day there's so many cuts that you can't. In this, the approach of these guys that you don't, you don't see it coming. The level of corruption, the level of what um, uh, damage, of et cetera, et cetera. Impunity. Right? Of the impunity, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's coming out, uh, Launch the film launches August 7th, is it? I was trying to find it. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yes. In uh, virtual yeah, cinema. What's that? In virtual cinema. I'm right.
0: Saying. So for instance, I know in, uh, one uh, such example would be Film Forum in New York is doing a virtual cinema, uh, showing it on their platform. Right. I think everybody's going to really respond to this film because of the. it speaks to everybody in the United States right now.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, uh, yeah. And and it's really, it's moving forward. Right. I mean, I, I've done Imelda. (laughs) I did a long time ago. And then this is like, this is what's happening right now. This is really what, um, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is a rise of authoritarianism in, um, in a country in Southeast Asia, but I think it resonates here because of, um, uh, uh, of social media platforms, right? They pl- play such a big part in our lives, and they also—I yeah, right. mean—it's been weaponized in the Philippines, and it's being weaponized here. Right. It was weaponized in 2016 here, so right. uh, and people are not talking about that. <laughs>
0: right, and I think they right. The big takeaway is is not to take any information that you're getting for granted anymore, really truthfully. Um, I don't care how big the outlet is or what its reputation has been. I mean, you should question all information now.
3: I think if, if it's I think even, it's- um, I think even, like, I never thought I'd be, like, a victim of fake news. I thought, oh, I know better. I can read thing things. I'm a critical thinker. I can read critically, but I, I've been, you know. I think it's, um, everyone's been, right? So you don't think you're above it, I think. Um, and I, um, there's a study that, said, uh, that shows that older people are more prone to um, our generation, right? So the digital natives, they know what's going on, right? The millennials, they know what's going on. But the older people, older than the millennials, we're more victims of fake news than they are. So interesting.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, we're Thank you, looking, Adam. Forward, looking forward to your next film. I'm sure you've got things percolating in your mind about what you I do. I no,
5: um
3: Yeah, I'm actually um, um, trying my hand at fiction. So this is a good, it's not a good time. I, I want my life back, right? This is tough yeah. to be in lockdown. But I, it's given me a chance to write, you know? So um, it, some days are harder than others. It's hard to be creative. Yeah, no. Once <laughs> you start
4: I'm, getting used to the
3: lockdown. i moved
0: like, out of the city because I was just, I just needed the, I need more Space and air and.
3: Where are you? Yeah. you in the city.
0: I moved to uh, uh, like up into the Hudson Valley, so I'm oh, in uh, I'm just around Rhinebeck and between Rhinebeck and Hudson. Oh, I know Valley.
3: that. I know that area because my daughter went to Bard. It's beautiful.
0: Oh, I'm down the block from Bard.
3: Oh my God, it's so beautiful that area. Yeah,
0: I went Where? to Bard too, so. Ah, okay. Although I didn't graduate oh. from Bard, but I did back in uh, a <laughs> years ago.
3: Okay, and, all right.
0: <laughs> but is she? Is your daughter's graduated already?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. She's, she's done with Bard. But I, I'm uh, familiar with, you know. Oh,
0: yeah. So, you know, the area's gorgeous. Yeah, and, gorgeous. Uh,
3: yeah. yeah no, I take the
0: quarantine. I'm just, yeah, no. I, this is like, you know, I don't know what my plan is for the long term, but I've always wanted to do the move. So, you know. it's she's done it
3: already, I think, Adam. I think it's I happened.
0: It's all. It's all here, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I just need human beings. I'll be happy. Oh, yeah, the area is still full of arts and film and theater and music, but there's nothing going on, of course, right now. Yeah,
3: so. unfortunately.
0: Yeah, so let's all hang onto each other and keep saying hello, and I'll be thinking of you, and I'm hoping Thank for you. the success of A Thousand Cuts by Ramona Diaz.
3: Thanks, Adam.
0: You're welcome, take
3: care. Stand
1: up. So, why should you care about what happens in the Philippines? They test the tactics of how to manipulate America in our country. If it works, they port it over to the rest of the world.
2: Maria Ressa was one of four journalists named as Time Magazine's Person of the Year.
5: Maria won't be afraid. I'm afraid for her.
2: What we're seeing
1: is death by a thousand cuts. Little cuts to Philippine democracy. We will not duck. We will not hide. We will hold the line.
0: Freeland is about an aging pot farmer who finds her, her world shattered as she races to bring in what could be her final harvest. The film also stars two fans of the podcast, Frank Mosley and Cretia Fairchild, as well as Lily Gladstone. We're going to have on Frank in an upcoming episode, as well as Cresha, and uh, both of who would be returning to the podcast. But first, we're going to bring on now, right now, the directors, co-directors of this film, Mario Furlone and Kate McLean, to talk about Freeland, which you can probably catch at a festival near you if they are in fact how how much near can you be than your living room is my question uh here we go right here on film radio Can I help you uh, with something, you guys? What's up? No I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> what do you want? That, one thing that we went were... like clockwork though was Precia.
4: Uh, oh, so you interviewed her today
0: already, right? No, yesterday. Yesterday, okay. Yeah. right on. And that—that oh, that, that was wonderful. Nice. That. Let's go to the videotape. I could actually. I could share my the video. With you. you know, it, uh, I, as I promised already, we will not be using your videotape and not hers either. But uh, oh,
2: I'm so happy. I totally would have brushed my hair if I had thought.
0: Beautiful. <laughs> Let me see something just for 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 S and G's shits and giggles. Uh, uh, Let us see how you do this. Um, you guys have a hard out,
4: by the way. I have a hard yeah. out at uh, three. Um, three. My time. So. Oh yeah. We're okay. we're in good shape. Um,
0: <laughs> I want to show you the very very minute first minute of crecia Oh, Her. nice. It's so lovely because I, you know. As we're, in, we're in touch off and on. Um, here it is. Oh, crecia
4: Hello. Hello. Uh,
0: <laughs> Why haven't we been doing this all along? <laughs> What's wrong with us?
5: How are you?
0: I miss you so much.
4: I miss you too. So what what is this?
0: <laughs> you, you, you get the whole thing on. Uh,
4: mm.
0: Obviously, I cannot. Uh, that that would be that's going to be interesting audio without the video because you know people. Are just be, that's <laughs>
5: what is going on here, right? Yeah.
0: But but you know that story just re- very quickly. I was we're getting ready to go to South by Southwest at a time where there weren't pandemics. This is about five or six years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I get an email from a young guy who's making the first feature called Creesha, that I. You know, I didn't, he said, at, you know, he was familiar with my podcast. I, uh, you know, I didn't know who he was. I get, you know, a certain amount of these emails. And I said, I was, it was nice. He was very nice. I said, okay, listen, when I, but I, you know, I wasn't even going to reply, but I thought, oh, right, you know, let me just reply to him. I said, L- let's try to meet up when we're in Austin. And then, you know, blah, blah. blah. So I get there. We're I'm hanging out with the, one of my friends that was in Crecia um, Oh. My friend, Chris Dubeck. And he. He, um, so we were hanging out, we came out of a movie at the State Theater in Austin, and as they're coming out, this, very, there's this young man, my friend knew him, you know, uh, Chris knew him because he had been in the film. And he was like, yeah, you know, oh, are you free tomorrow for my big premiere? And I said, oh, I've got a conflict, but I'll, tr- I'll see what I can do. And then I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah let me go. Chris is in it. And I knew a couple of other people that were in it. I said, no, I'll go to the film. So I go. And uh, you know, it's like an amazing movie. It's like I was blown away. I was very moved. I was bawling my eyes. <laughs> At the end, I go down to because the, they did the Q and A. I go to the stage to say hi to Chris and a couple other people on the on, who are on the stage. And Crete is yeah. there. I never met her. And Chris is like, "Let me introduce to Crete." And I said, "No, do not introduce me." And uh, and he, and she overheard her name, so she walked over and she kneeled down, and I started to blubber like a baby. with my mom and I had a lot of stuff going on with and the film brought it all up and so you know (laughs) that's how I got the nickname and then uh we became friends and eventually when the film got picked up by 20 you know I I I you know they came into the city I had Trey on I had Cresha on Ben that was years ago and uh so while once in a while we've been in touch, uh, this was the first time we had really kind of interacted, like looking at each other in a number of years. So it was really nice.
4: Nice. Oh, yeah, she's the best. That's
0: so lovely. So did you guys ha- have you seen her, the Kreisha, and that's how you.
4: Yes. Yeah, we saw, I mean, we saw Crecia when he came out, not at South 5, but we got a screener. Uh, I think it was already picked up by A24. Right. Uh, and this was when we were. Uh, trying to put the film together. And, right. and we knew then that we wanted her for the for the part. It was a different part at the time, um, at the time we were she working on this, for like yeah. a, her mother taught her story.
0: Right, yeah. she mentioned that, yeah.
4: Yeah, uh, and she said no, and we kept coming back every year until she said yes, and then we made the movie.
0: <laughs> wow. Well, it's another ace, I mean, you know, just the, the, her performance you guys got, you know, it's just another, raw, you know, really kind of just an uh, honest performance, you know, it's from everybody, hmm. you know, so well done. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, another thing we talked about was that the concern that, you know, this story about this uh, woman who was a grower, and seller of marijuana and a was you know how quickly things have become once once started states certain states started legalizing and mm-hmm. um what's the word uh uh you know participating right mm-hmm. so i mean we're so anyway so she was becoming uh you know uh, part of this uh, obli- uh, uh quickly what's, what 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 do we say um, obsolete becoming um, obsolete right and so she was worried i know that there was concern that this story was already getting old by the you know with the delays and everything. but of course this it's, it's not the case as uh this the story of, of marijuana in this country i
4: i think yeah i think in, if anything it will be it will be the opposite it's in, in some ways i think having a little bit of, of distance because um <clears throat> I think if we if we had filmed when it was still being legalized, you know, like when it was like sort of like before this California passed uh, legalized it uh, completely, or you know, sort of like it would have yeah. dated it very specifically. But I think because we're already dealing with the aftermath, um, and it's only accelerating. You know, it's more and more people who are being forced out of this industry. people who started it, you know, are, are being forced out of it. Yeah. Um, I think if anything. I mean, it would be like something. I mean, we always thought of this in a, in a similar way. That you make a movie about um, the the time when um, alcohol became legal again, right? Like, and and sort of like who, like that that a, a period in time when you say, "Oh, that shift," and you can see sure. that shift happening after a prohibition. Yeah, um, or in, in in a different way, if you think of like how like a, a film about small farms when big industry comes in, right? Like, right. Um, and uh and I think in both a sense like that that it's a it's a story that I think can can be relevant uh for 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 many many years ahead, you know like it's I don't think it's necessarily tied to to the specific moment um although we did have that fear too as we we're making to be fair
0: uh, <laughs> yeah
4: um, especially because we we tried to stay very true to what was happening right then and we we even we shifted the scripts that's you know shortly before we filmed in order to mm-hmm. uh to add this thing that we we're, we're seeing happening there where people were getting these letters these threatening letters from the county um and uh you know we we shifted the scripts to to adapt to that uh once we once we we realized what was happening and and you know and in thinking back like we've been working on this film for uh you know, together, almost 10 years in a sense, because we, make it a, we made a doc up there and we've been following that story since we made that documentary. Mm-hmm. And so, and we've been always adapting the story as new things happen, right? Like as, as uh, so.
0: But it's not a polemical story anyway. It's really just
4: a human story,
0: isn't it? It's not really about the law and about, I mean, it sort of is, but it's really more about this person and being fallen, all of a sudden somebody who's been highly, in control of her life you know and on top of everything for so long and then all of a sudden she's thrown into this tailspin and and it's terrifying
2: totally and i think i think it was sort of like we wanted it to be a universal human story that i think a lot of older people can relate to at a moment when your industry is kind of going through a sea change and you're you know you're forced to to reevaluate and uh it's still marijuana you're right yeah
0: the story could pertain to a lot of different industries, right? I mean, totally. Uh,
2: and I think, especially right now, it's sort of like you know, uh, Mario and I kind of go back and forth about how the film will feel in this crazy historical.
0: And Mario, jump in there.
2: <laughs> world where, yeah, where it's like uh, it might be, uh, it might be hard to look at something with so much loss in it at this time when so much of the country is going through such a painful economic loss. Or it might be that we're kind of in this moment where culturally we're all very close to the bone and, and people are open to, to seeing it, you know, and, and would relate to it in a closer way, you know? you
0: feel like right now, uh, drug, marijuana, you know, dealers are doing probably pretty well. They gotta be.
4: I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think like, I mean... Dealers, maybe, depending on the size, you know, like, um, but for the producer, I I talked to somebody not long ago who said that the big difference was that, you know, uh, producers, the growers used to make about 80 cents on a dollar back in, you know, before, before everything, before like it was even medicinally legal in California and that now it's, it's about 10 cents on a dollar, right? Like, so... And when the price is already also going down. So, like, I mean, quantity is key, I guess. Exactly. Exactly. uh, On all sides. And yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's what you see when you go up there is people just growing as the price dropped in in the time that we were thinking about this story. You know, um, we watched the price drop precipitously from when we made a doc together ten years ago until we made this film. And every time we were back in the area, just anecdotally, it would be like, oh, people are trying to squeeze three harvests into a summer using these like special agricultural techniques called light deprivation because they need to grow three times as much because they're making so much less. Um, And, you know, uh, I'm not an economist, but just thinking about, you know, supply and demand economics in high school, you just think, oh, man, this is. This is not going anywhere good for people,
0: you yeah. know. So, so I mean, you know. But then again, you have this—it's uh, hard. It's an illegal product. Whether you're a smoker or you're, you're not, but you—you're off. You know, you subscribe to uh, high—what's uh, it called? High times. High times. High times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, you know, the point is, is that you know, somebody in that kind of role is not necessarily the most sympathetic to many people. So, mm. you know, why should we? Feel bad for her you know mm. you do but why should you
4: i mean i always we we, we had this conversation a lot a lot a lot a lot because yeah in some ways i, I i'm from I, i'm not from the u.s originally i'm from brazil and i like i see that it um i got acquainted with the the world when kate and i made this doc 10 years ago and my first impression was was in a way it was like that this the people that i found there were in some ways the luckiest of the lucky in some ways because they got to retain that independent spirit from the 60s but still make a middle class living right and in some ways it is it was a challenge for us of like we can't we saw a lot of films that tried to do, to try that tried to tell that story and they would either fall into like making fun of of of, of growers like as if they were dumb stoners or they would glorify them as like, you know, uh, heroes or martyrs or something. I don't think, I don't think the truth is in either of those, like the people we saw were right.
5: just
4: yeah. smart, resilient people who were trying their best to survive. Um, but they did get a huge, like, uh, you know, decades of if you had, the guts to do it, which it took a lot of guts, too, right? Like, I mean, but um, it, you could you could have this life that was, like, kind of like a dream, you know? It was pretty amazing, if you like that kind of thing, if you like to live in the margins of society, you know?
0: Right. Well, that was what I was going to say. That, that just takes a certain type of personality at the end of the day, that's all. And there's some people that are really just want to be there, you know, or, or are very comfortable in that space, right?
4: Totally. But, like, I, um, you know, for- I remember... Yeah, I remember visiting like I had a very good friend in Maine who uh who was someone who tried to live the counterculture life in in the 60s and 70s and then had to readapt his life to more or less being integrated in society somehow, right? Like but I think the people who like the the the, the people who became growers and in Northern California were able to maintain that kind of lifestyle, you know. And then suddenly it became like like capitalism came so fast for them and the mainstream came so fast for them like Kate so had this, like, what was the phrase, Kate, that you used? Um, they were prepared. You say it. You say it better. Oh,
2: like, well, it was like, it, it, it's a group of people who were kind of prepared for the apocalypse, but they weren't prepared for capitalism, you know? Uh, like, the, the woman that we first made a documentary about used to talk about how, the, you know, she lived on this little, tiny, super isolated dirt road, and she carried a chainsaw in her, in the back of her car in case a tree fell down and she had to saw things apart in order to get down the road to get out of her house. And like people are that rugged and that prepared there, oh, but they were really caught unawares by sort of the force of the marketplace uh, when mm-hmm. legalization came.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure like, uh, who we'll, can we'll predict these waves, like a wave like that, you know, or a sea change all of a sudden in this one, you know, area of the culture it's very,
2: yeah. very true even if Quebec was sort of like people had built these lives very specifically to not live in that way you know they had really built their lives in opposition to those sorts of forces uh mm-hmm. and and so even though for a long time people could kind of see oh there's a ballot initiative oh this could change everything it you know right marketing yourself and signage and figuring out, you know, how to negotiate and set up distribution relationships and, and Mm -hmm. be above ground and, you know, keep books and use a bank and, you know, all that different, uh, different stuff that people.
4: uh, Yeah, and 10 years ago, when we made the documentary, uh, there was a ballot initiative that almost passed, right, to legalize, but and the people we were talking to there were saying, ideologically, I have to vote for this ballot because I believe that it should be legal, but I know that it's it's going to it's going to destroy me, <laughs> right? Like, so I'm afraid of it, but I have to vote for it. So it, it was a really you interesting grower, case of people, the growers, the growers. yeah. Oh.
0: Wait, that's that makes that's hard to imagine. How many do you know? How many of these uh, uh, of the um, once the illegal growers were able to successfully convert into the new model, it's a,
4: were were there a significant number? I mean, it's not significant. I mean, we we all all we have is sort of anecdotal evidence or or like these surveys that were done um, unofficially. Um, there's several organizations, and I don't have the numbers on it, but I know it's there's, there's thousands of mom and shop, mom and pop growers. Before legalization, and only a few hundred had gone legal, and mostly the ones that had gone legal successfully were bigger operations, or were sort of like cooperatives that were right uniting several um, several smaller growers. But right. going out alone is it's, it's prohibitive prohibitively expensive, yeah, you basically. Hundreds
0: of thousands in the bank or banked. That's honestly in the bank in the mattress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah well just so people know what is the doc what was the name of the documentary when and uh is it is it anywhere people can find at the moment
4: we're not talking about
0: uh, when, we're talking about the uh yeah documentary made back in
4: it was called uh, pop country came out in 2011 uh it's a 26 minute documentary oh, um short. and okay. that's a tech- yeah it's a short and it's it was on the uh, amazon it still is uh, for for, good. Okay. for rental right um yeah.
0: Um, okay. Hot land? Is that what you said? saying?
4: Uh, uh, buck country. Fuck country. Pot country. country.
0: And, uh, okay, so, so then you decided somewhere along the line about five or six years ago you were going to make, a, or maybe even a little bit more than that, that you were going to make it. Yeah.
4: Name. We kept, we kept having, you know, like we, we work together all the time. Um, and, and so, and we are good friends. Um, and so we would get together and like have a drink and start talking about, what what else we could do there you know like what's the it's such a rich world um we, had ju- we felt like we just started to to tap into it and and we 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 decided to approach it as a uh in, in a fictionalized way because we we thought that at the time the story we wanted to tell required more access than we felt that we could get um uh for 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 a documentary um and And that's kind of like in small ways, like we filmed with somebody for the documentary who, um, she was very open to us uh, about what she did and why she was doing it and who she was. But in the documentary, she appears as a very lonely person because nobody else in her life circle wanted to be in the film. So that's the kind of thing that we didn't want, We, we wanted the freedom to to, to approach it and tell what we saw the, as the truth of the place, but without the constraints of like um, having to put people's, we you know say safety in jeopardy or their perceived safety in jeopardy. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you have anybody else in um, as far as casting? Or is that just uh, everything kind of fell in place through the festival circuit as you met people?
4: Come, uh, you meet Frank. So, so Crisha we contacted very early on, um, and then we had a relationship with, with with her. We kept talking to her about the film, and yeah, right. uh, eventually she came on board. And um, and then Frank and Lily came on board uh, just a, a, I don't know a couple a month or a couple months before production. It was fairly quickly, um, and uh, and I think a lot of it was Crisha uh the pull of, of working with Grisha honestly. Um I know that Lily had met her in Montana and they had really got along. Um and uh and I think she had met Frank as well in the part, festival circuit. So, you know. Right.
0: Yeah, that definitely would have been uh Frank is a bit ubiquitous in that way. <laughs> Everybody knows him.
4: Yeah he's a he was a fantastic movie. partner in this film. It was just so, such a delight to work with.
0: Yeah, you gave him a, a number of uh, recently a number of kind of juicier roles, you know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, um, and so, you were ready to uh, premiere the film at South by Southwest. Yes. Doc, doc, doc. <laughs> doc, doc, doc. We don't have to talk about it if it's too painful, but Did they, did they, uh, it's still considered, do you get the laurel? Do you get the, is there a jury, was there jury uh, prizes or did you, I mean, you still,
4: is it still considered the premiere? It was not, it's not considered the premiere, although we, I mean, we can, if if films that want to consider their premiere can, um, films that want to consider it an official selection and, and, and wait for for a, a, a premiere in the future can. So I think the festival was quite, quite actually quite gracious about opening up the choices for, for filmmakers and saying like, use it as uh, to, to the best advantage of the film. Um, but I mean, yeah, it was, it was a blow. I mean, we Kate, do you wanna, do you wanna talk a little bit about that time that you fresh? I mean,
2: I mean, it's hard to say. It's hard to say much about it, Mm -hmm. really it's just uh, i think i think like a lot of people uh we had plans for the film and for our lives and then very quickly like those plans changed um you know you said south by southwest dot 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 when you asked the question and we're like very much in that dot 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 (laughs) moment right now you know
0: (laughs) maybe some festivals that had a jury would still you know do a modified festival in the sense of there's no audience but there is a jury there is a, uh, you know, and, and, and as a selection, you are, you get that Laurel, South by, if you don't get an award, you'd get the selection mm-hmm. Laurel, like, right, with an official South by Southwest 2020, so I, I didn't know what the what, what the, what the decision was in that regard. They like. did,
4: they, they had a jury, we, we were in the vision section, so we were not uh, uh, in competition. they not in competition. Exactly, okay. but uh, yeah. regardless, they, they did have a jury.
0: Okay. So if you're not in a running, if you're not a film in competition though, you, I, I, I guess you're not able to get like, let's say that official status of being a South by Southwest 20 selection.
2: No, no, we are. I no, mean, yeah. I, I think we can, I think the question of films, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The question for films kind of in our uh, class of South by Southwest 2020 is um, what's the right next thing for your film to go into the world in this time um when theaters are closed and and it seems film festivals are canceled many film festivals uh even the ones that you know say that they're on and then later cancel you know it's sort of about what's the what's the right thing And, and to be you know an official selection is uh Is a thrill and an honor and something that we don't want to relinquish and we're we're happy to do and and have. But the reality is that, you
0: know, no audience
2: has ever seen the film.
0: Yeah. No, I understand. And you did get, but you did also have reviewers, right? Mm Because yeah, that was another byproduct of this non-festival that happened. But there was, uh, like I say, a jury, and there were reviewers who got review copies of the film, obviously, and got. And I I think that one or two they were very very favorable. I, I guess what i'm saying is when the next step does occur you're positioned in the context of covid nineteen and the- ma- major disaster that we're living through as a filmmaker mm-hmm. you know you're you're you have some 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 a, a few you know- admi- uh, small advantages let's say I'm absolutely not giving you very and- much comfort at the moment Right. I uh, understand that it's like you have big expectations for the film and you should uh so um, you know, it's yeah,
4: thankfully we we have like a very good both a very very good publicity team and and we're we're working with great sales agents who are but you know so working with ICM and they're 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 very careful about like um, not like like playing this right and and waiting to see what's what what the market is going to be and sort of like so we feel in very good hands as far as like being, you know first time. Future filmmakers getting our first film in, out there, like in this crazy time, I feel like we're as as well positioned as we as we can be um, yeah. with, the, with the reviews, etc. You know, it's just like it's really hard to tell right now. Sure, like what you know, if, if theaters don't reopen soon, then what is the like? What's that going to mean for the distributors who might be might be good partners for the film, like? It, there's so many variables there that uh, right. I feel so it would quit. So I mean, it's an interesting time to learn about it, though. For me, like I always, I took it this time to like, oh, I want to learn about like, what's this process like? And because it's completely up, up in the air, it's actually a, an interesting time to, to study it because you can sort of like see under the car, you know, in a way that under the hood in a way that you wouldn't normally, I don't think, if things were just working normally. Right.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: in the meantime, while you are, um, the home, are you in the same place or are you in different?
4: In different places. You yeah. are in different, different? Yep. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, anyway, so I was just wondering what, what were you doing to, uh, what uh, is occupying your time with the film and uh, outside of the film? Are you spending much of your time? Just the film, does Freeland, uh, take up much of your time right now? Are you are, are you just trying to
4: focus on other projects? Do you want to start?
2: Uh, sure. I, I mean, I think uh, I think mostly it's it's other projects for right now um, because you know the film is complete, and um, as Mario said, we've got a great team of people who is kind of helping us figure out the next steps for. You know, distribution and festival and and uh, and press. Um, So aside, like very occasional small things. um, You know, mostly it's development on on future work. Makes
4: sense. Yeah. (laughs) We also we both have toddlers, so we're 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 occupied.
2: Yeah, there's a fair amount of (laughs) (laughs) crazy babies shenanigans. (laughs)
4: You a, baby? <laughs> you a baby? Yeah, Yeah, I have a I have a two and a half year old and so this Kate. Yep. So. Oh, both of
0: you had a, <laughs> started families right
4: around Yeah.
2: Yep. Right around the time that, we were shooting Freeland. Both of our kids were were young. Um, you know, uh, I think my son was six months old, so um, yeah. he was with my parents. Um, because my husband was on a different shoot, and you know, I was pumping on set and trying to do all the working mom things, and um, you know, and Mario was spending a lot of a lot of evenings FaceTiming <laughs> with his kid, and um, so this like this film has been sort of a, a a thing that we've been doing alongside having young kids for a the, while. Uh, quarantining is it?
0: Uh, is there a lovely benefit to? all
2: this time with your young children, though? thats has been I think, really. Yeah. yeah.
0: For them, certainly, right? Yeah. Definitely.
2: I think they're the perfect age, unlike, you know, people that I know who have teenagers or, or whatnot. You know, these kids just can't get enough of us. Do you right. have teenagers? I
0: have a teenager, yeah. The fact that he's... If he were here, you wouldn't mm-hmm. know... it Anyway, because he would... This is a one-bedroom, and he—I gave him the bedroom, and he was kind of isolating within the quarantining. So I come out occasionally just to, to say hi and uh, get food or a beverage, and then go back in his room. and Ninety percent of his time, but he's in Los Angeles now, so you yeah, know I miss him. You know?
2: Yeah, totally. Uh, it's yeah, it's an interesting. It's an interesting thing, I think, because, like, um, you know, having having kids in the house at this time, there are moments when I just want quiet, and then there are moments when it gets quiet, and I'm like, I need to be distracted from this crazy world that we live in, and find a way to not be watching the news right now, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely, sure, and um, you don't have to do much to protect a two and a half year old you know, from this world, because they have, that's like a concept, a scale that they're not remotely ready for, or interested in. It's all about, you know, right now, their whole world is about the me. So, you don't have to worry about them in that way.
2: Yeah, you don't have to, like, explain the kind of incomprehensible stuff at all.
0: Right. Yeah. Because I don't even, I mean, as I explain, I'm like, you know what, I'm learning by, talking about it I, 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 can't fucking under, I can't fucking understand it myself but um yeah I'm so glad you guys uh cast Cresha I'm so glad that uh you know you cast Frank and I'm gonna talk to Frank we're gonna you know we'll post these in a kind of um curated way you know with your oh, cooperation cool. we can you know I think mean, we can even do when 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 the next big step comes when when it's premieres however that looks whatever that looks like we can do another or this stuff can remain evergreen in that way where you know we can re promote it you know have you uh but we'll we'll you know uh work as hard as we can to uh get the more the most people aware of the film and to see it so you know because i believe uh that when they do they're going to really love it thank you yeah we appreciate it sure sure and um you know, maybe also as it gets close to that date, whenever that is, uh, we can get Lily to uh, hop on. And-
4: oh, don't do wonderful.
2: That would yeah. be great. Yeah. Yeah. She's the best.
0: Yeah. So, you know, but, you know, kudos to you guys. It's a great film. You got some incredible Thank performances you. out of it. It's very, very intense. It's a bit of a, there's a, very, a bit of a horror film aspect, component to it. Mm-hmm. There's tension right? There's a lot of tension at points, you know?
4: Yeah, yeah. It puts you, it's
0: documentary feel to it also, but you, you know, and you feel, you know, you're going through it while you're watching it. I mean, you know, you're right there with these people. You're in, you know, those tight close-ups. It puts you right there. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks.
2: It's interesting because like, you know, we've shown it to so few people now that whenever someone wants to talk about their impression of the film, I'm always like, really, what did you think? Tell me more. Um, yeah. Cause you know, it's that moment when shared? it's just, uh, no I'm it. it with curious.
0: I'm sure you're very cautious about it. Yeah,
2: you know, very. I
4: mean,
0: yeah, but I'm sure you also need, you need, you can't exist in a bubble forever. So yeah, I'm sure you're you're letting some, you've let some people see it, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's just its just always so curious. Like, I guess in the past when we've done docs and films, you know, you get that experience of, of having that big public screening at a festival and sort of thinking, oh, what lands and what didn't. We did a test screening, you know, early on, but we just haven't had those sort of audience moments yet. So I'm always just fascinated to hear how the film plays for people.
0: Right. You mean like a a, a rough, rough cut version where mm-hmm. you're getting feedback about the structure of it, how you edited it, or... Yeah, it
4: was we did that too but we did the test screening like fairly close to locked picture um to see what was what was working uh we did it at a small theater and in, in san francisco and, and that was super helpful and that was the last time we actually watched it with an audience it was we had maybe I mean 50 people in the room uh yeah. Yeah. that was super helpful um yeah but you know so since then we we it was either watching in isolation doing the color correction sound design at, you know, face or uh now getting, getting reviews and talking to a few folks like, like yourself um, and getting their impressions. But it's, yeah, it is an interesting, like, it's almost like it's, this the film went to sleep and, and we, you know, <laughs> uh, we still don't know how it's going to be you know, yeah. when it, when it wakes up.
0: Well, we will soon, ever since, you know, we'll, you know, things will, We'll be at some point as things you know, open up around the country to whatever degree that things are opening up, which I don't think is going to be like it was, of course we know that, but we'll get a sense of also the distribution of films and how that's going to look and you'll have your premiere and you'll have your audience reaction. However that looks, Yeah, and it will
4: be okay. Fingers crossed. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Thank you guys very much. And again, oh, I thank you. Ever-
4: Adam, this is, Oh, no worries. This is such a pleasure. It's a good deal. It's really lovely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I, I'm glad to be connected to you both. I've been digging back in your archives now of your podcast.
0: Yikes. There's a lot there. <laughs> yeah.
4: I Thank you, guys.
0: I'll let you get back to it.
4: Yeah. Thanks, Nice to meet you. So Thank lovely you. to meet you. Hopefully, we'll meet in a festival very soon. In, yeah. I don't know.
0: I know. I miss it. And I'm, yeah, it sucks. Yeah but uh, we will, right? Okay. We're gonna be- and if you
4: ever make it into the Bay Area, let us know. We'll yeah. grab a grab a drink together.
0: I'd love that. Thank you guys, I promise. I'll stay in touch with you. Fabulous, okay. thanks.
2: thanks. Bye. bye.
0: Great, great, great afternoon. You too. Okay, bye. everybody will be back with uh, my friend Jim Infantino is coming up and um, we have a friend of the podcast Michael Taylor the, the editor of many great independent films will be uh, returning and the screenwriter uh, notorious screenwriter Hampton Fancher among many other upcoming segments here on FilmWax Radio thanks for tuning in take care of yourselves and the ones you love until next time